Hey there, we at Blue Wire wanted to thank you for your continued support of this podcast. With over 90 podcasts across our network, we are committed to bringing you great content to fill that sport-shaped hole in your heart. To find more Blue Wire pods, search for us on iTunes or check out bluewirepods.com. And remember, one day sports will return and it will be glorious. Thanks for listening. On to the show. Are you hearing things? I think I have ghosts in my house. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what that was. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Dice Tradecast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by our, our trio of friends this week. We've got our friends over at Blue Wire, Blue Chew, and Bet Online. So, uh, the NFL draft is in the books, boys and girls. I finally have something in the books that's not just another week in the world. So, NFL draft is in the books, and we are uh, joined by my lovely co-host, uh, Dan Sanyo. Uh, glad to have you back, Slacker. I'm glad to be a co-host and not a guest this week. <laughs> I most certainly uh, am slacking as if life couldn't throw enough curveballs. Uh, that last week was very, very interesting, but now we can all be distracted by some lovely draft information. What a beautiful time it is. We all needed this well overdue, and uh, I'm looking forward to the initial dive in, but I feel like the coming weeks we'll get, uh, we're going to get deep in there, you know, that we will do. And we will get, uh, into the show today with, we're going to be talking the, the rookie draft and for the most part, the first round of the rookie draft and players that are being selected there. And we'll kind of, uh, position ourselves around one quarterback ADP. I'm sure we'll have a super flex show in the next couple of weeks talking the quarterbacks. Um, and especially next week, we can talk about some of the more interesting quarterback landing spots because there were a couple of them, but for today, quarterbacks, they can, they can wait a week and we're going to talk about the running backs and wide receivers. Uh, the tight ends, Dan, we might not talk about them until like October. If we don't talk about them until next April, I'm okay with it. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I, of course. So uh, we'll start off. We're basically going to be going down the line of ADP based on Dynasty League football. And so with the 101, and it was the news of night one for Dynasty, Dynasty players, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire closes the night at pick 32, going to the Kansas City Chiefs. Many had him valued as uh, RB2, RB3 in this class, but he goes RB1 and, and to the primo landing spot. Uh, you and I talked about Ravens and, and Chiefs before the draft. And the Chiefs not only take a running back, but take one in the first round. Yeah, I mean, the first round portion of it was a little bit surprising, I guess. They only had, what, five picks in total, and they decided to address running back with it. So they must really like Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And obviously, we've heard the the news and seen the snippets of, oh, Patrick Mahomes got to hand pick his guy. And, I mean, a lot of times it's just a lot of smoke. But also sometimes when there's a little bit of smoke, there might actually be some fire. So if that's the case where Andy Reid got his new Brian Westbrook and Patrick Mahomes kind of got his guy, 
yeah, that, that first round actual NFL draft tag is probably push him into that top spot. I mean, no lower than like three. He would have been my third uh, running back based on talent pre-draft. But with that landing spot, it's it's hard to argue with somebody that would take him there. I would take him at two, but it's hard to deny, especially because of what he's so good at, and that's catching passes. And when you're in that offense, catching passes is the world. Plus, he's going to get a nice little boost because I'm imagining there's going to be some decent running lanes for him. Yeah, and I am a bit of a CEH detractor, a guy who has my doubts uh, in Edwards L.R. being, you know, a top 10 dynasty running back, which is certainly where he's going to end up being valued at this point as he's getting selected at 101 or 102. I really haven't even seen him fall past 102 in one quarterback leagues. So that's kind of where he's going right now. But my, my concerns kind of revolve in the, the one part that my argument kind of falls apart, but I'm going to say it anyways. So... <laughs> In 2018 uh, was his you know, first time really getting action. 658 yards, 4.5 yards per carry, only 11 catches. Derf- certainly not first-round pick NFL draft material, not our top 10 dynasty running back material. And then in his junior season, he goes for 14-14 and 16 touchdowns, along with 55 catches. And that was with the best college football offense ever assembled. So my my worry is that insert RB1 into great offense equals crazy points. When the offense wasn't that crazy, he wasn't good. So the, the counter to that argument, countering my own argument would be, well, if there is a LSU offense in the NFL, it's the Chiefs. <laughs> so... Uh, that is my one worry as a detractor. Um, but I do still think that Swift and Taylor and maybe even Dobbins are more talented than him. Yeah, sure. And I, I, I can get on board with that. The, the only other argument aside from you arguing with yourself about the LSU to KC translation is the 2018 LSU offense was basically an illiterate. It was, it, it couldn't function. It was not an offense. Um, obviously adding Jamar Chase, and, and having that alongside Justin Jefferson. And then, oh, Joe Burrow all of a sudden turns into Tony Romo. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to look good. And uh, it, it was it was a weird spot, obviously. He wasn't really one that anybody was talking about. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not going to argue with somebody if they want to take him at one. I'm not taking him at one. But because of the first-round capital in the KC offense, it's hard to deny but I think we should talk about the guy who I would take at number one overall. Why don't you bring him in? Um, Jonathan Taylor? <laughs> I'd be the guy. I'd be the guy. ADP says he is 102 currently. Uh, originally, there was kind of some befuddled faces, people not really sure what to think of that landing spot. Indy's primo. That's That offensive line, the offense in general, is, is a perfect for – what Jonathan Taylor can do. Marlon Mack isn't really a concern. He's an, he's a free agent after the season. And now you just spent a good amount of capital on a running back. Traded, traded up for him too. That's right. They went up and got their guy. At Marlon Mack's an afterthought, which sucks for a lot of my best ball shares and a couple of dynasty shares. Really sucks for Nathan after he 
got I traded don't want to talk about it, Dan. That's, that's pretty rude. Pretty rude. All right, <clears throat> hold on. Before before we dive into the analysis here, let, let's just remind the folks. Uh, there was last year a game where Nathan decided he wanted to bet me in a league that we are in together is Kadoosh 27 which, league. Which we were both the top two teams in the league. Best two teams per usual. Well, one of us per usual. <laughs> Nathan wanted to bet that he was going to beat me that given week. And the deal was that whoever wins gets to offer the other person a trade that works within a trade calculator. We, I, Forget which calculator it was, um, but I, you know, won the game and I got Dalvin Cook for uh, Marlon Mack and Adam Thielen. I think is what it was. was and then, did I have to throw something else in? Was there like a pick or something? No, no, I, I could have made you throw in Roethlisberger, but I didn't waste my ah, time. With that. Yes, so it's looking good. It'll be fine after Dalvin Cook holds out and Alexander Madison takes over and Cooks on the streets, so it won't it won't matter. Yeah. Continue with the Taylor. Taylor, Taylor talk. Yeah, I, you know, Jonathan Taylor, uh, six over 6,000 rushing yards his college career in three seasons, 6.7 yards per carry, 50 rushing touchdowns in case you is didn't that good? know. That doesn't seem like a lot. <laughs> it, it is a lot. And now he's going to an offense. I'm not sure it, what, it wasn't on our list of Primo. It wasn't the Chiefs, Ravens, Buccaneers. But the offensive line is a plus there. And... I'm not sure what to do with quarterback there. Rivers is obviously year one. And then whether they invest at quarterback next year or they roll with Easton, who they selected late in the NFL draft, you know, that that landing spot could go one of a couple ways. But I think for 2020, it is a good landing spot. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he's he's going to what I would imagine dominate. Well, maybe not early on. I think he'll probably have a month where he might be slow rolled in. But I mean, once once he gets a hold of the offense, it's over. I, th- I think he starts out at 60-40 and ends the season at, like, 80-20. That seems pretty accurate. I think if they stay competitive, which I would imagine they will, um, they'll probably try to use a little bit more of max tread, especially early on, and then maybe later down the stretch if they're in a good position to kind of, you know, maybe just pump the brakes a little bit and take it easy in some second halves of games. Um, I-, I could see Taylor's workload being uh, not, like, taken away from him but maybe held back just a little bit at, at the beginning of the season for sure because that's how, usually how most rookies perform it's kind of slow at the start and then they ramp up and i could see him kind of taking a little bit of a back seat later on in the season so they can burn max tread and, and instead of wasting jonathan taylor's yeah for me he is the 101 i i don't have any concerns about his talent long term or I don't think that he's dependent on his situation. Not that I think the Chiefs offense is going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, but, yeah, Taylor's my locked-in 101, and I think that it is a bigger tier. Uh, I can make the argument that there's a tier from 102 to 107 in 1QB. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. The, the depth is for sure real in this one. I mean, as, as far as, like, 14, 15, even maybe 16 players, uh, once you get beyond that top end, that, that elite stage of guys – um, but yeah, JT's, he's one one for me as well. He's got the highest floor, I think of everyone in this class. Yeah. The, the pass catching ability maybe isn't what it is with a uh, Clyde Edwards, Allaire or a JK Dobbins or uh, a Swift, but I mean, he's easily the best peer runner of the group of the class. It's not even close. And 
I mean, he's once once he fully takes over, he's going to dominate touches, and he'll easily be a 300 carry or close type back. Any sort of pass catching he can do or is involved in is only going to be a plus. He's going to be your, you know, your your lower your your mid to lower end RB one only because the PPR isn't going to be there. But he's definitely worth the one on one this year for me. Yeah, for sure. And we'll go on to our next player and a player that. I, I waffle over the last pretty much half week or so on whether I, I hate the pick or I think the landing spot's fine, but it's DeAndre Swift, the Detroit Lions, gets picked in the early second round of the NFL draft. I, I'm not a Carryon Johnson guy, so I, I'm not coming in here saying that Carryon Johnson is going to take carries away from Swift. I think Carryon Johnson is now an NFL RB2. I don't think that he's going to be a 1A, 1B. I don't think he's going to be completely destroyed either. I think he's an NFL RB2. And I think that Swift is going to play the role of an NFL RB1. And that's why I am I, I still have him. I I think I have him too. Like, and if, if we're talking about legitimately which running back would I rather have and not like a value perspective type game, I think I'd rather have Swift. Yeah, I mean, talent-wise, he was my, my two. Um, the issue for me is the landing spot. I also, not a carry-on Johnson guy, wasn't when he was coming out. I, the, the value got there a little bit for me, and that's all it became was was a value thing, was where my interest was peaked. But they spent draft capital on Carrion Johnson, what, three years ago, two years ago? Now you spend, send basically the same draft capital on DeAndre Swift, and the offense hasn't changed. It's almost exactly the same as it was. You And it for me, the I think the red flag is where this offense stems from the, the coach tree that Patricia comes from the Belichick stuff worries me when it comes to running backs, because for how long have we struggled and been angered by the inept, not necessarily ineptitude, but the inconsistencies of whatever running back is there. One running back dominates like six weeks of the season looks like a God, unbelievable. And then all of a sudden, a fullback comes out of nowhere off the top rope and crushes your hopes and dreams. I don't trust Detroit. They've been a miserable spot for running backs for as long as I can remember, basically since Barry Sanders was still a football player. Uh, I mean, you, you really, when's the last time we were excited about somebody? You had Amir Abdullah for about 13 minutes, job at best before he died. Other than that, I mean, it's been nothing. People got excited about Carrion Johnson, but they shouldn't have. They, it was a wasted second-round pick, or I think it was a second-round pick. It's 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 Detroit, man. It's never going to change. Dan, you have to know no. that scouting the uniform is absolutely terrible process. That's that's like saying tell me that's I'm like, wrong. That's like saying Buccaneer quarterbacks throw interceptions. So I'm projecting Brady to throw 20 interceptions this year. Hey, Brad Johnson was a Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jameis is the outlier in that one. Brad Johnson threw like half of an interception his whole career. <laughs> um, so w- where does Swift fall on your board right now as far as one QB? I mean, if we're strictly talking running backs, he's at least five. At least as in like that's I, the earliest that he would, would go? I wouldn't take him before – Dobbins, Clyde Taylor, Dobbins, or Akers. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I think that I think he's more talented than those guys. I think he's gonna have. Oh, for the, sure. I the, totally the, agree. I just hate the landing spot. Hate yeah. it. I think you're overreacting to how bad. Like, it's not like he's going to like 
I don't even think of it. Well, it's a really bad landing spot these days. Uh, the, it's not even the, the Jaguars. <laughs> I'd rather have them go to the Jaguars. That offense showed life. <laughs> All right. So before we uh, continue on our, you know, first round uh, trek around values, uh, let's hear a word from our sponsor. All right, guys. You looking for the ability to last a little bit longer? Maybe go those extra few rounds. Get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. Nathan, make sure you're listening. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online position is a free of cost and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging, so you don't have to be embarrassed about it. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 for shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. All right. Next, we're going to talk about our friend J.K. Dobbins landing in the second best landing spot for a running back. And I, I think that the only detractors for Dobbins right now are the fact that you went like late second compared to Edwards Alaire went late first. Swift went early first. Taylor went early. I mean, early second. Swift went t- early second and Taylor went early second. So they're only really just detractor of of Dobbins compared to the other guys. They just went a bit earlier in the NFL draft, but it's not like he went into the third round. Uh, all, all, all five of those top running backs went in the second round uh, or Edwards went in the first. So talking about Dobbins specifically, I, I think that not that this is like any sort of breaking news, but I think this is very bad news for Mark Ingram. <laughs> I think that uh, I think people are going to be like, usually people overestimate how much the rookie's going to overtake the, the veteran. I think Mark Ingram is going to be like relegated to like seven carries a game. Yeah, it's not going to be good for Ingram. I think they're still going to they're still going to let him play a decent role. So they're still going to let him put a uniform on. (laughs) I mean, he's going to be involved. It's going to be what it's going to be. Dobbins may have a, a somewhat slow rookie year. But we're going to see the the splashes. We're going to see the big plays. We're going to see the reason why they drafted him. And, and honestly, he's he would probably – I'd probably take him over Clyde Edwards-Alaire. But both those offenses are ridiculous. And, I mean, Dobbins is, is definitely the more proven guy. But you can make kind of the same argument – against Dobbins that you can make against Alaire is well they come from the super offense in a spe- I mean with Dobbins it's you know the Big Ten you know it, it is what it is Ohio State absolutely crushed everyone especially this year but they kind of do that on the regular this year they were blowing people out by like 40 points at halftime and then coasting so I don't know what to make of that as far as the production goes. There's a lot to like about Dobbins. There's some things I'm still trying to find and see if it, it makes it there. But I've made that mistake in the past of, of kind of harping too much on the stuff that a player can't do 
and not enough on the stuff that they can do. Baltimore is going to use him the way that he's going to be used to maximize his skill level. We basically saw that with Engram. You know, it's it's hard to not have him one, two, or three. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor being probably the best peer runner. He's got to be there. Alaire with the Casey landing spot, I think, is basically equal to the Baltimore landing spot. It might even be better if we're considering what an actual running back is going to be valuable with. So if it's like a, a points per carry league, you might consider Taylor one. But honestly, Dobbins might might get that big boost over Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So you could genuinely make a case for, for Dobbins in the top spot. Yeah, I mean, the more I think about it, because, like, I was banging the drum for, like, if there's a team that would make use of a first-round running back, it would be Baltimore. Like, they're going to, you know, mm-hmm. run the ball down teams' throats, whether it's with the quarterback or the running back. And, you know, they spent still pretty high capital with a, a late second-round pick. And so, yeah, I I do like Dobbins right now. Um, I'm not sure how many shares I'm going to get of him, because I feel like people are, are going to be valuing him ahead of Swift, and I prefer Swift. Uh, but... That's kind of people are just playing their the preference game at that stage. Um, is there any chance that you would consider the wide receivers above uh, Dobbins at all? Or no, I, I think the top three, C E H J T, and then Dobbins for me in whatever order. And then at that point, I think I go wide receiver, potentially a couple of them. Before I would think about Swift or um, the guy we're going to talk about next. All right. Uh, you teased it, and let's talk about him. Uh, Mr. Cameron Akers from Florida State, now heading west, young man, to Los Angeles. Uh, to a team that now has spent a total of three third-round picks on the running back position in two years. They spent two third-round picks on Daryl Henderson, and they spent... Oh, I guess, no, three, uh, two third-round picks and one second-round pick, and they spent a second-round pick on Cam Akers. So lots of capital at the running back position uh, for Los Angeles Rams recently. But I don't think this is a close competition. I think Cam Akers is superiorly talented that, to Daryl Henderson. I think I was talking about um, on Johnson being an NFL RB2. I think it's pretty much where Henderson ends up being maybe even a little bit lower, like a, you know, a guy who, like the – the, the RB2 for a team that doesn't use their RB2. I think Henderson's a better pure running back. My struggle with Akers is that even though he's now going to be in, what, year four of playing actual running back, he still seems relatively raw to me. There's still a lot of the fundamental stuff that I don't see that I see with Jonathan Taylor, that I see with even J.K. Dobbins. Definitely with Swift, I see those things. And, you know, the, the numbers are held back because of how awful Florida State was. But even then, you'd expect a, a top-end guy to be able to be just a little bit more efficient than, than he was. I mean, look at what Saquon Barkley was playing with. And obviously, people like to, you know, Saquon's a little bit different situation. But his numbers weren't, uh, you know, otherworldly, but they were better than this and he was in a similar position in an absolute garbage offense, just basically hucked the ball and told to just score, do something with it. And uh, Florida state was bad. Um, and acres didn't look good. A lot of the time there's some tape that, I mean, he looks great others where he looks kind of 
Like, he doesn't know what he's doing. So I, I think his rawness scares me away a little bit. I think he's got a lot of potential. He, I mean, ceiling-wise, he might be, he might have the highest ceiling. He he, he could do it. I, I think I think he's got that in the realm of possibilities. It's just the, the floor scares me when you're talking about a top five, top six pick in the rookie draft. I'd like to have a little bit of certainty. And, you know, once you slide back into later first, and I think you can start considering guys with, with pretty limited floors. But I don't even think his floor is that low. Like, I, I think that he showed his floor is what he did at Florida State because that's how bad that offense was. And granted, the Rams, you, you can have your own opinion on what that offense is doing these days. But it's going to probably be a middle of the road to bottom offense. But I still think the Acres is going to be put in position to win, put in position to you know be the RB one there. So uh, I'm a big Acres fan. I think he's a better value at this stage than than Dobbins is, and you know it's just by a case of being you know lower by one pick. So it's a little bit silly, but I, I do prefer uh, Acres from a value standpoint at this stage. And we'll uh, go next to a couple of the wide receivers, the uh, not the top two wide receivers in the draft, but numbers two and three. Uh, we have Jerry Judy going number 15, and we have C.D. Lamb going to 18. So we'll, we'll start with Jerry Judy uh, and his impact, I guess, on himself as well as the, the Broncos. Uh, the Jerry Judy plus future picks made uh, in the draft have va- vaulted the value of one Drew Locke to like being the, the, the next uh, Baker Mayfield of sorts. Uh, and I'm honestly not sure it's totally wrong. Like he's being put in position with all those weapons where it's going to be very hard not to succeed. And, uh, I love Judy. I, I think that he can overtake Sutton. I, I know I'm not one of those people that is ranking Judy above Sutton right now, but I do think that overtaking him is within the range of outcomes, you know, pretty, um, like I wouldn't say likely, I would say it's about 50, 50, whether they end up being one, a one B one, two, you know, how those guys end up being ranked in the next like 18 to 24 months. It's for sure going to be a 1A, 1B. And for however long that lasts, I think is up to Denver and what they decide to do at A, quarterback, and B, Sutton's second contract, um, which obviously isn't due for a little bit yet. But um, yeah, Judy, I think those two are a match made in heaven. That gives your quarterback basically everything he could want and outside receivers. And you talk about having Noah Fant inside. Uh, you've got a pretty stable or a pretty good stable of, of running backs as well. in in Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay, it, it's tough because you need to find volume somewhere for all of these guys to eat. Uh, the, the big takeaway for Denver on that front is if Drew Locke's the guy, I mean, he's probably going to really quickly get into being a sell. Um, but Jerry Judy for me, yeah, I, I'm not putting him ahead of Sutton yet. There's a lot of people that are, I think those people are, pretty darn wrong trying to make that projection now that he's going to be a top 10 12 14 wide receiver when Sutton already is yeah this hurts from a volume standpoint but Sutton's already proven it Jerry Judy hasn't proven anything uh, outside of maybe was he even the best wide receiver on his team uh, in college which I mean it's, it's saying a lot because of how ridiculous that wide receiver depth is at Alabama but also you have to look at it and say I mean, if he's not the best there, is he the best now when you already have an established Cortland Sutton there? I think they're a great 1A, 1B. Uh, I think they'll both do just fine. Maybe maybe struggle with volume just ever so slightly, 
but I think they'll make up for it in efficiency uh, because they're both very good. And when you have multiple great options in an offense, kind of allows everybody, it frees everybody up a little bit. Defenses can't focus on one player. They have to spread their defense out. And as long as the offense continues to make plays for these guys, get them open, do what they have to do, uh, it's going to be good for everybody involved. And I, I do like Jerry Judy. He's not my wide receiver one, but it's hard to, again, kind of like with Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Jonathan Taylor, it's hard to argue with having him in, in a one spot as far as position goes. Yeah, and I will say I did talk about how I think that the second tier, basically after Taylor, is two to seven. And I'm going to end up finding myself with a lot of Judy and Lamb because it seems like they are being taken at that six to seven range. And every top five pick that I have, not that I don't really play in a ton of draft leagues, but I would want to try and turn those two to two to four, two to five picks into six to seven, because I'll take the leftovers, whether it's Akers or Judy or Lamb, because I think all three of those guys are much better than your average 105 to 107 on a, on a yearly basis. Yeah, the, the difference from a great prospect to what we're used to getting in this middle of the first is is pretty substantial this year. If you can lock in what legitimately could have been a top one, two or three pick uh, with Judy and with CeeDee Lamb, who we'll talk about here next. Uh, if you can get those guys in this middle stage, that's that's doing really well. I, I would start to consider either one of the wide receivers probably after the top three running backs are off the board. Yep, and we'll go next to one of the more surprising picks of day one, C.D. Lamb going to the Cowboys, both for the fact that Lamb fell to them at 18, and also that it was the Cowboys who don't really have a need at wide receiver, putting another uh, you know premium asset into the position with C.D. Lamb. And the, the more that it's gone, like I think that the moment the pick was made, much of Twitter and you know normal draft analysts were like, what is going on here? What's the point in this? But then when you really sit back and you're like, how is an NFL defense going to stop Dak Prescott, Zico Elliott, CD Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and your boy Blake Jarwin? They're not. That was one of the first things I tweeted. I, I, you know, kind of thought about it for a second. And then I just, I kind of looked around and I was like, who the hell is going to put anyone in the box against Dallas? They get scored on every play if you drop too many people. They're going to have three or four down linemen, and they're going to have to play like, what, seven defensive backs? They're going to do whatever they want on offense. Ezekiel Elliott's going to average seven yards a carry. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure it's the best thing for his short-term fantasy outlook as far as Lamb is concerned, but I don't think it really matters. I think that I think he's definitely better than Gallup. He's the you know the wide receiver too long term. Maybe it takes him a little bit into the year before he like overtakes him in targets. But once we get to 2021, Lamb is closer to Cooper than he is to Gallup. And even even if you're worried short term, let me bounce this off you. It sounds like they're gonna keep CD inside and have Amari outside with Gallup. Gallup's obviously gonna gonna be outside, but uh, I know people wanted Amari inside, but Amari is very good outside, and CD is a real problem out of the slot. If they can keep him in the slot until they figure out what to do with one of the other guys or one of the other guys moves on, I think short term that that can end up being Dak's go-to. That you know, 
those all that intermediate stuff, the underneath stuff. Let let the defense worry about taking away Cooper and Gallup on the outside. You're not stopping C.D. Lamb from the slot, and then that could open things up for Jarwin and obviously Zeke underneath. But man, if if they stick C.D. in that slot, he is going to be untouchable. It's going to be crazy. And you have him as wide receiver one. He would be my wide receiver one. He was prior to even the combine. Uh, I, you just watch the tape, man. All I see is DeAndre Hopkins. That's It's just spitting image. I love him. I've loved him since day one. Um, many of the, the Debbie leagues that I partake in, if if you know we were looking at getting freshmen coming in, any of the deeper leagues, that was, that was the go-to when he was coming out. And we'll close out these, these two discussion with this question, uh, and I'll give. I mean, actually, I don't give my response because we already know. Judy's my receiver one. Would Judy be above Lamb if he had gone to the landing spot where he'd be the wide receiver one, whether it's Raiders, Jets, or Niners? If he went to the Niners, yes. Raiders and Jets, no thanks. You just you just hate bad offenses so much. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, I, I do not like good players and bad offenses because, believe it or not, folks, talent doesn't always win out. There you go. Talent doesn't always win out. But let's hear from the people who always do win out. Our sponsor, Bet Online. Of Boy. course, we have to hear from BetOnline.ag, and obviously, with no NBA, no NHL, MLB, you know, it sounds like there's probably nothing to bet on. Well, you're wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? Like we all are. That's no problem because Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations that you can bet on. You can also still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. No, not Nathan Powell. The one on Coney Island. All of these things are open 24 hours a day, and they're all online. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE, that's B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. All right, so we're running a bit long here, so I think we should cover the next four wide receivers off the board in kind of a rapid-fire fashion, and then we can discuss the worst mistake of the first round that people are already <laughs> making. Um, first, we have Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson, Henry Ruggs, and C. Higgins. Uh, I'll give my rapid-fire thoughts here. I, I think Rager and Justin, Justin Jefferson, are fine. I don't think that they're great values where they're getting uh, picked currently. I think Henry Ruggs is an excellent value at the 11th pick as he was, I think, I'm pretty sure at the 11th pick in the NFL draft. That's such great value getting the 11th pick in the NFL draft at the 11th overall pick. And and then with T. Higgins, I, I, I do like T. Higgins a lot, and I love the landing spot being in position to be uh, Joe Burrow's wide receiver one as early as next year. I don't think AJ Green is long for the Bengals organization. But then again, if you'd have told me April 26th, April 28th, 2019, uh, AJ Green's going to be a Bengal on April 28th, 2020, I'd be like, you're wrong. Well, guess what, Nathan? 2019, you were wrong. You were wrong, Leonidas. That's all that made me think of was 300. Um, wow. All right, nerd. Uh, yeah, this is. See, I really like the majority of this uh, this group uh all except for rugs 
yeah, the value's great when you consider the NFL draft profile. I don't think he's going to be a good fantasy asset. He might be a great NFL player. He's going to he's going to force defenses to pay attention to him, but it, it's it would take a real outlier career for him to be what people want him to be. And I talked about the the floor versus ceiling stuff earlier and, and where I'm comfortable taking players like that. Back half of the first is where you got to start taking Henry Ruggs if he's still on the board. Yeah, he was the first wide receiver off, but the floor is not there. It won't be there. He's going to be a heck of a best ball asset, I think. Um, But again, it's going to take an outlier career in order for him to do what we want him to do as a fantasy asset. So once you get into that, I would say 9 to 12, I mean, if he's later than that, then you're just playing playing up stealing. But if you get into that 9 to 12 area, I think Ruggs is just a fine pick because of the potential of what he could be. And the risk that you're taking there is much more minimal than if you're spending a top three or five pick on someone like Henry Ruggs. Um, Rager, for me, I, I think could have a great career. I, I guess the question marks now is what are <laughs> what the hell is Philly doing at quarterback? Because what they did in the draft doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, are they really that worried about Carson Wentz? Or do they think that they just need to have a really good backup quarterback to make sure that they can cover their, their Nick Foles portion of the roster? Uh, Justin Jefferson, somebody who I was pretty high on. I think I would have had him wide receiver four uh, pre-draft. I don't think much changes there. I, I think I think CD, Judy, and Rager would be my three. And then between Jefferson and Higgins at four. Um, Jefferson, I love the landing spot. Gets to replace Diggs. The volume's not going to be incredible. We know what that offense wants to do. Uh, but there is history with Gary Kubiak and being able to support two wide receivers as well as a running back. And if any offense can do it, I think it's this one. You've got a lot of really strong talent at those positions. Uh, I think if anything, this maybe hinders my love for Herb Smith a little bit. Might have to push that off a season and as he develops and, and kind of learns his role in that offense. And then Higgins, again, somebody I've been on since high school. Uh, absolutely it was fantastic at Clemson, did everything that they needed him to do, was overshadowed a bit by Justin Ross, which I think kind of pushed him to here. I think, again, like some other guys in this class, could have made a, a case for wide receiver one in this class, gets pushed aside a little bit by, by well, Justin Ross, and slides a little bit. <clears throat> Maybe he doesn't do I, all of the things people I will want say, him to do. I, I was worried he would slip further. The fact that he was picked mm-hmm. 33, I was like, this is good. Like Right, huge. If like everyone knows I'm a draft capital nut, so it takes a lot for me to take a second round wide receiver above a first round one. But Brandon Ayuk is (laughs) Brandon Ayuk is one spot behind Higgins in my rankings. Even though the fact that I am very loyal to the draft capital, I have Rugs as my wide receiver three. I have him over Jefferson and Rager. That's how much I like draft capital. But Higgins is a better wide receiver than Ayuk, no matter how you slice it. Yeah, he can do just about everything aside from below pass defenders. Um, so if you want that kind of guy, take Henry Ruggs. But if you want the more technician type, the uh, the guy that can win basically on every level, you've got T. Higgins, and he's got a really nice landing spot. He gets to go to Cincinnati with Joe Burrow, who if he can continue uh, kind of what he, he got going in 2019 – 
it's going to be it's going to be a special potentially special offense. You still have Tyler Boyd there. You have the remnants of AJ Green. We don't know what Joe Mixon's going to do potentially in for a holdout, but that offense could take a huge step forward this year. We've talked about it on the show in the past. The offensive line is going to be a huge bounce back candidate. Um, all of those guys getting healthy. I mean, you basically have half or four fifths of a line that was non-existent last year, and all of that is going to be in place this year, ready to go. That's only going to bode well for for T. Higgins. So not having to be forced into a huge role right away will help him a lot, I think. It'll allow him to adjust to the NFL game, even though I think he's pretty damn polished, as is. Uh, being in a wide receiver room with A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd will only help. So uh, I think I think I have Higgins just a touch higher, definitely higher than the last person we're going to talk about on the show. Um, I think I'd still probably take him ahead of Ruggs, even though – even though Ruggs, that draft capital, it's hard to deny. Uh, he's right there with Jefferson and Rager for me. All right, friends. Let's gather around the fire. Because right now, <laughs> we are going to talk about the absolute dumbest thing Dynasty players are doing today. Uh, Dynasty players are currently drafting Kishon Vaughn at 10 overall in rookie drafts. That, my friends, is stupid. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you why it's stupid. That is ahead of Henry Ruggs, top 11 draft pick. That's ahead of T. Higgins, number 33. Denzel Mibbs, late second wide receiver. Brandon Ayuk, first round wide receiver. Michael Pittman, early second. And that, that that's pretty much where you can start thinking about Kashawn Vaughn. And even that's probably too high. Because he is older than Ronald Jones and is competing for carries with Ronald Jones. And... Yes, there's upside with the Buccaneers offense, but I think this is just going to end up being a very crappy 1A, 1B. It's going to be disappointing, and it's going to be really disappointing for the people taking Kishan Vaughn too high. I I really don't want to throw stones or splash poop on the wall, so I'm going to keep names out of it. But there's some very notable fantasy analysts with Vaughn as RB1, and I almost lost my mind. I had I I turned I I closed out of Twitter. I deleted it from my phone. I was like, I'm not gonna do it. I've been quiet. I'm gonna stay quiet. We're not gonna go down this road because that's just it's that's dumb. I mean, that's really really it's horrible process. Don't do that. Don't broadcast that absolute garbage to however many thousands of people that follow you, however many millions of people follow your site for <laughs> this information, you idiots, all of you, you can't have Vaughn that high. I don't care. You can't make a case that's okay to have him anywhere near this first round. Definitely not there. And <laughs> pardon my French. Sure as, <laughs> oh, shit, we go. Sure as shit, not RB1. Oh, Good boy. Lord. That's the soapbox for today, boys and girls. There we go. Dan is fired up. If that's what the first round bring to the podcast, imagine what the second round of ADP is going to bring the podcast next week. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Uh, you, you know, we got our t- takes out, and I'm sure the takes are going to be even more fire next week. And uh, thanks for listening. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe. Uh, Rotoviz.com slash radio to get 10% discount. Oh, actually, no. There is something else that's new. 
So starting this week, uh, when you want to get that that awesome, that super de-duper 10% discount, in the checkout, you're going to go 2020RV Radio. Once again, if you want a 10% discount to your Road of NFL Pass, it's 2020RV Radio at checkout. It will only apply to a one-year subscription. So make sure you're doing that. Uh, if you're getting your 10% discount, 2020RV Radio. And if you listen to the Overtime Podcast with Sean and Colm, you know that they're getting close to that 100th episode. And for the special occasion, Rotoviz Radio Podcast Network is giving away 10 one-month subscriptions to rotoviz.com. If you're already a subscriber, I'm just going to add it to the subscription, so it'll just keep rolling. And if you aren't signed up, you can still get a one-month subscription. All you have to do is rate and review uh, of the podcast on your podcast app or retweet the podcast tweet on our Rotobiz Radio Twitter feed. More retweets equals more entries. And again, with the 10% deal Nathan just talked about, that's also part of it. That code, 2020RB Radio, that's all you need. That'll do it for this week. Make sure so much roasting. We'll talk to you guys next week. Kadoosh. Don't trap Keyshawn Vaughn. Well, I mean, there's the in, there's the intro, I guess. <laughs> All right.